0: Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erica. And I'm Barbara. So you all know that the work we do is work. And uh, we now have a new parliament, a minority one, and a culture that has really not done much on gender-based violence, I would say, or a lot of issues of pertaining to intersectionality. And, you know, we're still treated like a luxury to the patriarchal system and not the core of an equity system. So we're asking you, the Bad and Bitchy community, and you're part of this community by listening to this podcast, to support us in the work we do. And when I mean support, I mean contributing as little as 5 or $10 a month to our Patreon. We want to bring you additional content. We want to... I Y'all, I have ideas. Think about this. Think about Microaggression Monday. Doesn't that sound like it has a ring to it? Yeah? Well, we're going to need support for that to happen. So I know a couple of you have uh, reached out to us through email just to say i'd want to support you guys but i don't want to do it through patreon for whatever reason i i'm not going to ask or critique the reason but um it's something that we've heard you guys say and we'll be talking about it uh when we have our final planning session for the new year so stay tuned for updates on that but in the meantime um we'd love to um We'd love to get your Patreon contributions so that we can continue doing the work that we do. The address is patreon.com slash bitchy. So we also write stuff. Just a reminder, we have a weekly column in the Hill Times. If you're not a subscriber, we post all of our columns on our website, Um, badandbitchy.com. Sometimes what I do on my Twitter is I will... I'm um, screen cap and talk about the article because I know that the paywall is a thing. So um, if you want to follow me, you'll just have to, you'll just have to Google like everybody else. Cause, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to repeat that here since this is a time limited intro. Anyway, to say that we are on social media. All of our contact info can be found in the show notes. All right, Barbara. Let's do this. Let's get into it. So apparently, there was a speech this week from some sort of throne. <laughs> uh, and I will tell you, so we're gonna talk about the speech from the throne this week, uh, opening up the forty third Canadian Parliament. Uh, honestly, I'm just gonna give you some background about the speech from the throne the, the speech from the throne and why it matters. Okay. So basically, what the speech from the throne is for is it is um, it sets forth in detail, in some detail, the government's view of the condition of the country and its priorities going forward. So it's an indication of what legislation is to come and it outlines the legislative program for the new parliamentary session. So in the Commonwealth realms and so that we're on the, All on the same page, a Commonwealth realm is a sovereign state in which Queen Elizabeth II is the reigning constitutional monarch and head of state. Hence why we have governors general who are the Queen's representatives in whichever constitutional state there is. So the speech from the throne imparts uh, the causes of summoning parliament prior to which neither the House, uh, nor any, any other sort of elected official, I guess, can, uh, can embark on any public business. So it marks the first occasion after a general election or a prorogation that Parliament meets in an assembly of its three constituent parts, the House of Commons, the Senate, and the Sovereign, or the Sovereign's representative, who is the Governor-General. So that's why if you if you think about how government operations works, um, the speech from the throne will lay out the legislative agenda and will also lay out what they call a source of funds. So the next step is mandate letters, gathering this information from the speech from the throne, each ministry and each minister will put together a mandate letter um, that repositions their, I would say, their ministry in line with the government's objectives from the speech from the throne. So when I read this speech from the throne, I thought it read like a budget. And so we're going to go through it. First of all, any thoughts?
1: So I didn't, i miss the speech from the throne. you didn't do though. the homework barbara neither did no I. I okay i just I, listened to it this morning so honestly like the day of the speech i would have listened to if i had time but i was running an event and it went well so but it's also for me like the speech from the throne yes that's the tone for the parliament for the year but to me the most for important, the session for the it's sunday morning it might Uh, be a year it might be a year we don't know (laughs) (laughs) predictions (laughs) from the podcast world yeah um but i think for me the most important parts are going to be the mandate letters and I haven't seen those um so as much as this speech it is a speech it sets the tone but it's very general and generic and i need to see those mandate letters for like what specific policies we are going to be pushing for the like I, the session. I
0: find it interesting that this speech was just more pablum. Like, I don't like, yeah, it was it. And this is not a time where you should be feeding people pablum. This yeah. is a time where you're in a minority government. There's some real fishers in this country mm-hmm. and this is all you come up with. Whoever wrote this speech needs to be like, take that responsibility needs to be taken away because this was awful i'm sorry it was this is not this is the speech you deliver when things are pretty placid
1: yeah it it it, re- it doesn't read like a very like a speech that has a very strong point of view it's yes very con- no, it's not even conciliatory it's no very, it's not um it touches on a few points yeah but it doesn't. There's no sharp or sharpness or edge to this speech. It, there's nothing in this that that would lead one to
0: believe that the government knows the world it's living or what it's doing, or even the country that it's living in. I'm convinced that this government doesn't understand Canada um, east of Vancouver and west of Timmins, Ontario. Like they, there's a whole swath of
1: Canada this government does not get. I think they're. I I don't think they even really understand. The parts that y- you are included think, <laughs> you're like I'm, they don't get it no all. <laughs> i think there's just uh, canada like after this election is just there's there's a lot of people with a lot of different views and mm. but that's how the world is and that's how the world works yeah. um but uh for me i wanted to have a very strong point of view come out of this i agree because i think there's a choice that needs to be made whether This government is going to come in with a very strong point of view, a strong and a sharp edge and stick to that edge and be like, you know what? This is what we're going to do. It's difficult to do as a minority government. But like if you're going to if you're going to be here, do something.
0: I think this is one of the safest minority governments the liberals can ever
1: have. And that's the other thing is like there's a there's a lot of like you're good. You're good. Like, there are some policy points that you could push that you would get support from other parties. Yeah. And you can be a little bit more risque and push those edges a little bit more.
0: And we've seen some of these in the speech because um, they're talking about universal drug benefits and cell phone. I don't know. I don't. I think this cell phone thing is a lot. Uh, I think it's a red herring. I I really do. The Cell phone thing. Yeah. Like Explain. We're that. going to we're going to reduce your cell phone bills by twenty five percent.
1: How? Honestly, as someone who did not grow up in Canada and came here, your cell phone bills are fucking expensive. Of course
0: they are, but it's not because. Like, here's my problem. What's the government gonna do about it that they haven't done already?
1: Well, I think there's oh, where was I who did I talk to this about um, even for a long time like switching your cell phone provider and keeping your number was like this really weird process yeah, but that's, and all that that's stuff. but legislation changed and that helped out with that I think there needs to be like antitrust laws so like competition wise so like, oh so you're saying
0: that the competition bureau should actually do its job yeah which to be honest the competition bureau I really have it really sticks in my craw. Yeah. and I'll tell you why, why? number one one, this merging of of newspaper chains, mm, when that happened, yeah. where the fuck was the Competition Bureau? They're not investigating that? They, they, you had to get their approval. Yeah. approval. So why the fuck did they approve that? They are the competition. Part of the reason yeah. that local news is in The state that it's in is when Hollinger International with Conrad Black sold out all those papers to some private equity firm. And these, it would like the papers that they sold were basically. A lot of local news chains too. Yeah. So they bought up a bunch of local news chains and then mm-hmm. sold it off. Yeah. And I'm just like, how did that improve competition?
1: Yeah. That's it, definitely it's a stifled competition.
0: Like, and where the fuck was
1: the competition bureau? And like the Canadian media landscape is a perfect example of that. Like why we need a stronger, like more almost activist antitrust bureau and anti like competition but see, bureau.
0: yes, but see that Puts you into capitalism realm, right? Yeah. So the whole point of there being antitrust is to strengthen competition because mm-hmm. capitalism, right? Yeah. So I just want to point this out because a lot of people are like, "Fuck capitalism," and I'm like, uh no, I'm not there with you." And I'll tell you why yeah. because it's the it's the best, least worst option
1: that we have first of all yeah, second of all our system isn't actually a truly capitalist it's not system a capitalist either, right? system so, no no like, no. Wait, I'm, wait, wait, I'm not wait, gonna wait, cape wait. for capitalism <laughs> wait, wait 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 yeah yeah
0: but um i will say that we don't have capitalism because we if we had capitalism we'd have we wouldn't have multinational corporations yeah. because the point of capitalism one of the tenets of capitalism is competition Mm -hmm. so when people talk about capitalism in the markets they aren't actually talking about capitalism they're caping for corporatism and that's my point if we actually had a capitalist society we might actually have lower cell phone bills because we might actually have competition but what happens is that these telecoms get together and they erect barriers to entry Mm -hmm. and that's my problem and yeah. that's what happens when you have corporatism.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a whole other conversation. Like, again, I just want to like, put that out. There. Are like, <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's worth having a conversation about. I think yes. If we're going to focus on the speech from the throne, that's like a different thing. But yeah. Like, <laughs> um. Like. Yeah. No. I won't cape for capitalism. <laughs> but like, um, I think what I wish this speech would have given us is a more confident. I don't know. For me, it's like it, y- you're, you're still in government. You're still in power. Like come in with some gusto. Like I think that's have all, a point of view. I yeah, agree with you. Like, have a
0: point of view. Obviously there is you, you have a default point of view. Mm-hmm. What they're doing is this default business. And this is what, uh, this is how people shape the perception of you yeah. without you, Shaping it for them in well, although the the prime minister has in a way, so I'm not going to say that he's powerless in this. No, no. he has. But power. What I'm saying is that there are key issues that they have fallen on the ground with with communication on. Yeah. One of them is we will get to this pipeline business, but the pipeline is a big example of how this government really, really fucked up and Insofar as had they said, Hey, we're doing this to protect Alberta jobs, do you like think about how far that would have gone yeah. and think about if we would have a notly government right now. Yeah. And and that's the thing, is that communication is such a huge we get to our at some point we're gonna get to um things we've learned over this last decade. But uh that is something that I think is Really, really crucial—not just to government, but to every, every like organization and every business.
1: Yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, like if it had come with, like, I and so that would have been a point of view. Is my point? Yeah, Yeah, like that's what I was getting. There is a lot of they touch on a lot. Yeah, without without going into anything. Yeah, I wish again. This is just me, but I wish they had come with like K as a government, this is who we are. Like, tell us who you are. Give us some, like, perspective. What are your values? What are you standing for? Don't make it so broad. Make it, like, very centralized, a very centralized message and, like, these are, like, no matter, something that applies to any policy point in terms of, like, what are your values as a government? What do you hope to achieve with this? That's exactly how it should have been written. And then, that would have, like, a lot of the stuff that's in here is very detailed like not very but like it's somewhat detailed it's not even very it's somewhat detailed it's like oh so you're saying violence you're you're
0: saying it's meta
1: yeah it's very meta like i wish it was like you know what if you're gonna do a speech from the throne like it's also the thing is like it's read by the governor general right so it's it's managing that and balancing that but come at me with some like confidence some gusto like just be like you know what like i do i'm I'm going to be like, okay, cool. You have a point of view. This is who you are. This is what I should, like, the standard I should hold you to for the next session.
0: I, I, think, I think politicians should double down on that shit.
1: Well, that's If you I have a
0: point of view, I mean, hell, it's not like, it's not like, peop, like Trump and them aren't doing that already. They yeah. have a particular point of view. So I, I just don't understand this. Perce- it's the perception of risk. And it's this it's this. And and I don't think that people have realized that risk is shifted Mm -hmm. and the risk of not doing anything becomes greater the more tumultuous the times are.
1: Yeah. But it's also like I don't think well I didn't really see any clips of the speech online like shareables. Of this this is a good point like this n- is a very good point no part good of this point. speech was like like they talk about the um, 30th anniversary of the Polytechnique uh shooting and massacre but like even that was inclippable like and I I think that's also something that, something important to remember like nothing was really truly like exceptionally memorable in this speech even for like shareables like That's a big thing in an age of social media. Like, I don't know for like, for me, it's important if you're writing a speech, some part of it has to be memorable enough that you can share it on social media and be like, this is what we, this is our messaging. This is what we're doing. This is our North Star for the next session. This is what that speech was supposed to be. And it wasn't for me. Like, I I haven't found like the, there are some good lines, but none of them I really remember. It's very like, that's why the speech was shit. Soft. It's, no, nah, it's, it's not even soft. It's just like eh. nah, like it's it says something, but it's not saying the thing to me. See, like, see, this is why.
0: This is why you add value well, one <laughs> of the reasons one of the reasons you add value because you come from it from such an outsider's view yeah. of what canada looks like to you yeah and we we are so we have so much angst about what canada is mm-hmm. yeah and because well because we are next to the united states yeah, and that's course. just the way it is you know yeah. so we're the middle child right yeah and so um i think that It's really interesting to hear your perspective in that because it's true. Canadians pride themselves and Canadian politics prides itself in not having a view. Yeah. And that is becoming less and less tenuous in today's world. In a world where identity is the currency Mm -hmm. and that having a point of view is the currency. That is your currency. And so the fact that the government can't do that, especially at a time when they need to do Mm -hmm. that more so now, because the risk of not doing that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that people think that you're more open. It means that people think that you're not paying attention and where attention is also currency, right? That is huge. If you don't, if people think that you're not paying attention or that you're out of touch, that can dismantle government. Yeah. And I wish that the people inside this bubble would understand the way communication and media works mm-hmm. and the fact that that is one of the most important pieces of your strategy that you have to pay attention to in today's world. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're not, are exactly, the missteps have been around communication. And it's just,
1: I think this there's, we need people to be bold. Yes. We need political figures to be bold. We need governments to be bold because we are not in a time where we can survive on just the status quo and cruising and the by. Yeah, because go. like, we're going to get eaten. Yeah, but it's also like cuz other people are hustling. Yeah, but it's also like you need you we know you have a personality. All of these people have personalities, but like you cruising by is just not going to it's just not going to do it for anyone. Like, just being, like, we're, like, they're, you know what the point of you could have been? They could have been, like, cons- uh, being, striking a conciliatory tone and cooperation. That could have been the main core message of this and could have been the whole speech. Well, that's why the speech is terrible. But it's not, no, but they could have given a good speech. No, because they tried. Yeah. They did try to do that. But I it's think. not strong enough. It's I not know. Like that's no, why like, the speech is terrible. Like, <laughs> like, just like be like, okay, like our whole thing this year, is no, this session is this. Be like, th- it's
0: cooperation. It's, it's um, collaboration. Collaboration. How do we? How do
1: we envision that? Who do we? How do we position ourselves in that? What are our core values when it comes to collaboration? What are the things that we think are absolutely defining for Canada and for this forty third session? Like, yeah. I don't know. It just it's so. I just want to be like, let me write it for you. Yeah, I feel like I want to scrap
0: this and be like, look, this is how it should be done.
1: I think there's also an element of fear.
0: Oh, there's Um, a lot of fear in the speech. You could smell it. I was like, wow, that's why there's no point of view. That's why there's no... And I think that part of it, too, is that they're like, well, we went out with a strong point of view last time and we got a minority government for it and my thing is like no what you did was you preached to people and then did the opposite
1: yeah so well, i think in the 2015 election they came out with a strong point of view and they yeah. we were very popular for it yeah you but know? they
0: also had to back it up yeah. and i think that's what he wrote it so my question is like do you think that to me <laughs> this <laughs> I'm so glad the speech from the throne and NATO happened in the same week. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. For those who do, of you who don't know, and I don't know how you could not know, but, you know, you, we'll explain it to you here. So um, a bunch of world leaders. So this week, I think it was last weekend, actually, it started. Yeah, it was a 2-day summit. It was a 2-day NATO summit in the UK at Buckingham Palace or parts of it was was was, bu- was at Buckingham Palace. And so, um Queen Anne uh showed us that there may be some truth in uh the crown. <laughs> <laughs> Anne literally was my
1: favorite part.
0: Anne was awesome. She Anne was, was like, so the Queen beckoned her to come and, you know, meet Trump and Anne was like, I'm here. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm here, and this is as far as I'm going to go. Yeah. So, Anne, shout out to Queen uh, to Princess Anne. I think I called her Queen, <laughs> queen Anne. Anne. I'm sorry. It's
1: Okay, she's a queen in our hearts. <laughs> well, she to this week, Queen
0: <laughs> Anne was a queen. So, second of all, which which is good press that that family needs right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they could
1: use that. They could use that. The contrast between Anne and Andrew is just wild. Uh- Love it! Oh
0: They're totally disintegrating. It's awesome. um <laughs> I know, right? It's we're, we're like, where has Ed been hiding? But you gave us Andrew, really? Yeah. Anyway, so that aside, um, four world. I think it was four leaders. It so was, was
1: it, Macron, Boris Johnson. Um, I think. The uh, Dutch prime minister, the Dutch prime minister, whose name I'm forgetting, yes. Queen Anne, were no Queen Anne, Princess Anne. We're all chatting. Yeah,
0: was it Princess Anne was there yeah. too? Oh yeah, her little oh, haircut was yes. in there.
1: Yes, you don't hear her and, speak, but she was there, and because she knows better.
0: And um, and the prime minister We're all caught in this Mean Girls episode referring to Trump. Um, I would like to say this is my attitude to mm. it. I'm a... Here, here's my... Answer. Trump then uh, left the meeting early after he called Trudeau two-faced.
1: Uh, no, explain the video clip, though. Uh, well, the video... Okay. No, the clip is important to understand. Okay. why. Why don't you explain okay, the video Okay, so clip. in the clip... They're having a conversation about because Macron was late, I think, to the reception, mm-hmm. and it's because he was having a presser with uh, Trump, and that presser went terrible. Terribly sorry because he was kind of asking. He was he, Trump was kind of calling out Macron on some shit, and Macron didn't back down because he's a man man's man. Um, I don't think you should back down in front of Trump, though. No, you shouldn't. But it was just like because he's a bully. Five. So they're in that clip. They're commenting about how. That Trump took forty minutes off the top of the presser and like took time, and everyone is late. They're basically having a like chat about how like Trump is a nightmare to work with and to be around at these summits. Yeah, Yeah. and Boris Johnson is there too.
0: (laughs) Boris Johnson is just yuck yucking it up, which just goes to show how, which is very English, by the way. To 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 stab people to laugh in their face and stab them in the back—that's very British. I would like to quote Lawrence of Arabia. I'd like to po- point you to that to, to show you how the British stay. Yeah. Okay. Poor Faisal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> that's what I got from that movie. That's Poor what Faisal. you remember <laughs> from. Yeah. All of that? All of that. <laughs> um. That three-hour flick. Uh, anyway, so uh, what happened was... After that, Trump found out, naturally it became a story, and then he called Trudeau two-faced And um, when he asked about it and then left the summit early. Now, this is my thing.
1: Okay, yeah, let, let's have your take and then I'll say what I feel about this because I have... You know. I have
0: feelings. Number one... Um, With regards to Trump, don't dish it out if you can't take it. That's just schoolyard politics. As far as I'm concerned, this is a man who makes fun of people every two seconds behind their back in front of their face or whatever. It gets turned around on him and then he can't take it. This is typical of like white male leadership today. They're very whiny. Whenever something they can dish it out, they can dish out shit to people, but when they get just a tad of it back, all of a sudden it's a fucking breakdown. They have a meltdown or they whine or they or they stomp their feet or act like children and then just leave early. I mean, I I'm just not here for it. However, on the other hand, he ain't wrong. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Um, I thought it, I thought the whole scene was very emblematic of the way leaders probably do think about Trump and how they do regard him. And it was just really interesting to see what kind of standing America has now with that kind of leadership. Mm-hmm. So I found that very interesting. And I, I just saw an erosion of respect. They don't respect him. That's obvious.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but when I say he's not wrong, I mean, Trudeau is two-faced. And this is a very two-faced um, speech from the throne. Because I would like to turn people to reconciliation.
1: Okay, so th- can I give my comments on the clip first? Oh, and sorry. then we'll talk sorry. about... Go okay, ahead. so this is how I feel about this clip. I understand that these are public figures and, like, they're in the public eye and stuff. But this was a private conversation that was happening after if you've ever gone to like any conference you get freaking tired at the end of the day and like we've all talked to shit about someone in our that we work with and that we're having difficulty with and we're entitled to having that space especially when you're at these high level things like it can get very frustrating and I kind of did not appreciate like I like I don't think this should have been a clip that should have been released. Personally, I think CBC had it. And A, should, a I don't know why they were recording sound when they were that far away because they weren't that close to them. B, yes, the leaders should have been more careful of what they say and where they speak. But these people are doing really long days, doing really tough negotiations, being in tough meetings. I don't think it was appropriate for this clip to be out in the way that it was put out. I loved it. Yeah, it's it gives us a... a behind the scenes view of like what world politics is but it also like people are flawed and human and like we yeah. talk shit like we talk shit it's fine i just the implications that this can have at a global level is also something i feel like people should have been a little bit more considerate about being like w- what was the point though like what was the journalistic point of them releasing this clip Like, was there a journalistic, like, if we're going to think about it as a reporting a story, what was the journalistic point of having I don't think
0: that everything that needs to be released has to have a journalistic point. I think it's worth seeing the behind the scenes of some of these things.
1: Yeah, but it was mostly just to be like, ha, 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 no one likes Trump. Or, but it was, uh, but it's also like a Canadian broadcaster. And it's kind of being like, oh, look at the other Justin Trudeau scandal. I was like, kind of like. I, okay. And I think that's fair game. Really? I do. I was just like, I I do think that that's fair game. I, I get why they released it because, like, it's pretty spicy. Yeah. But I also. It's
0: views, it's clicks, it's, you know. Yeah. But,
1: like, what's the point? I don't like, no, no,
0: no, I don't like the idea of having something like that and CBC in itself deciding what is and is not newsworthy. Yeah. That's the problem that we're in right now.
1: But I also don't think that this was newsworthy i think it was like a clip of like i don't i wasn't surprised by it were you i thought it was funny
0: i I like to be entertained by my leaders and i I think that's fair no i I think it just
1: turned it into like a theatrical weird but it is but why do we (laughs) but it's it's
0: theater (laughs) i get politics is
1: theater absolutely and and so
0: i don't think that everything has to be scholarly and journalistic and blah 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 but I do, I I just, I too, you know, like to see that leaders are fallible too. Okay, I get that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that they do, they're, because we have this weird expectation mm-hmm. of leadership that they stop being human beings. No. Or that to be a leader that you have to stop being a human being. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That somehow uh we're above
1: this or we should no. be above this we're but human that's the thing they're not above it but
0: that's my point and i i do think that that's that's worthwhile seeing every now and then that's I, what i'm saying i
1: i and i totally understand that point yeah. i just thought that it was kind of i think it was also just because like of all the people you can hear on the clip the only person you can hear is justin trudeau exactly and it's like, there were other things said. That like, is,
0: but that is that is the double-edged sword that mm-hmm. he has made for himself. And that is my point about Trudeau. Trudeau, w- listen, like you want to have a brand, you want to have media presence, yeah. you want to be this, you want to be that, you want people to see you a certain way. And that's why the whole two-faced comment is going to stick to him. That's the thing, is that, and I'm not, you know, nobody I, I hope nobody would, you know, think that I'm a huge Trump fan, but he's not he's not completely wrong on this. Right. Yeah. Is that is that it's kind of rich for him to say that mm-hmm. um, anyway. But uh, my point is that Trudeau made this for himself. In what way? In what way? Jody Wilson-Raybould, the scandal. But Trump wasn't commenting on that, though. No, 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 no. But he's commenting on a character flaw, Mm -hmm. right? Which is, again, rich, considering who it's coming from. And that character flaw can be seen in these pieces. Mm -hmm. And the more those pieces tend to come up is the more that will stick to him. And that's his own doing. Mm -hmm. And it's his own doing... Because he held himself up as something and didn't think that he had to back it up with action. Okay. And decided to preach to the whole fucking country about mm-hmm. it about how they should be the same. And be that's better. that's my problem. Yeah. Is that he is being a hypocrite. He is hypocritical. And yeah, and, I,
1: and I just yeah. to me it was just like this is a conversation that anyone who works in a tense environment has had with colleagues yeah. at some point or another and i just it was just like turned into this like big huge thing but don't thing. you think it
0: turned into a bitch big bitch a bit that too yeah. a big huge thing because for a lot of people it was cathartic no i think so
1: i think Honestly, he didn't say anything that I didn't think about Trump already. Like, but that's the, the point. Fact that, like, no,
0: no, no. But that's the point. Because because that government has not really said anything. Yeah. They, they've been so... They've been cagey with the whole Trump thing, yeah, right? With their whole...
1: And with the whole marriage. But it's also like Trump isn't one of the most immature people to deal with. Yeah. So like putting this out didn't help in any way dealing with Trump. It just made a story Look, about like...
0: Trump is gonna do what Trump's gonna do anyway Regardless, I don't yeah. I don't think that this I think that this it, it, for me exposes what was weird, him yeah. sure and he's gonna feel a certain type of way sure but let's remember the situation Donald Trump himself is in.
1: <laughs> He'd rather go back to impeachment proceedings in the U.S. than hang out with them. Yeah, like that's what this turned yeah. into. It kind of yeah. turned into like a playground thing. Like, oh, but that's what oh Trump God. is.
0: It's it was... like, but Trump is playground politics. Yeah, but like that's all know. he has I to offer. For his me, whole I, thing is playground politics. I just his whole yeah. name calling is playground yeah. politics. Like the point is, I like to see when somebody who dishes it out gets a Set ditch back, yeah. to them by people of his so-called ilk, right? And the fact that he himself is an outcast. I think that this is really um, instructive in terms of uh, the fact that the loudest, most arrogant and ignorant and stupidest person is seen that way and that it does
1: not bring you progress but it's still centered trump in this whole thing like it just ended up being like a story about trump and we're talking about trump and how he feels about like instead of talking about like actual issues at nato and like having an in-depth conversation but that's
0: not the same i don't think that that's the same story no 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 you know
1: what and i mean for me, what you was can weird, have both you can have both yes absolutely yeah but for me what was weird is seeing this journalist who caught this impromptu like uh, unexpected moment being heralded as a hero I'm like okay he recorded okay that no yeah that was just like I was like okay you're no
0: hero buddy you put a mic in an opportune place and you caught some leaders fine just yeah just like fine but Dawson. don't tell me you're a hero get the fuck out of here no he's are break- a hero okay like, you're not okay, you're, you're not there when the Berlin Wall came down let's get the fuck out of <laughs> here okay let's let's take it down a notch yeah they're only saying that because something from CBC went viral that's it Lol. Yeah. That's it.
1: I yeah. This and was they a think that that is like
0: die. they they think that that is like a big accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And I was just, w- were you there when I was talking about going viral? How it's mainly an accident. And no. anybody who could tell you that they can take you viral is lying to you. Oh yeah, it's yes. an accident. There is no. You just have to be lucky. Yeah, like the, it's luck. It's literally luck. Lady luck. Yes. Yeah. But like I think that this speech, especially when it comes to the reconciliation portion, mm-hmm. is exactly giving credence to that two-facedness um, jab that Trump.
1: Yeah, but Trump made that jab because of this clip. Trump did not make that jab because he's I, had an in-depth I don't analysis care. of what Trudeau has done. I don't done care. A broken
0: clock done. is right twice a day. Okay. Analog um <laughs> <laughs> Analog. yeah but it is um, like yeah. sometimes idiot people and people who have no redeeming qualities stumble onto something and they're actually right for once and even if it's not their intention because <laughs> no. at the same time we are looking at this speech from the throne mm-hmm. where um, they're talking about reconciliation and how the government will take and co-develop and introduce legislation to implement the undrip, uh, implement undrip. Oh, really? After BC did it, and it was, and granted, it was the conser- granted, it was the conservatives that filibustered and it died mm. on the floor. But they even had a hard time introducing it. Yeah, and they were they had a majority. So I have questions. Second of all, um, this government will ensure that indigenous people who were harmed under this discriminatory child welfare system are compensated in a way that is both fair and timely? Uh, Are you not... (laughs) Are you not appealing the decision by the Human Rights Tribunal? Like... We, we know you're doing this at the same time that is two-faced is it not
1: yeah but i don't i for me like trump's pot, like i'm just get off trump i'm, I'm just, just saying at a point where i cannot anymore with trump I, like i have my seven minute limit every day of trump news and impeachment news and like that's but it. But we're not talking impeachment but like i think i see these are things that should be in mandate letters the detail, the level of detail on that one policy. Yeah, but point. how can
0: they say this when they're when they're appealing a ruling to
1: do just this? I agree. There's an that's inconsistency. what I'm saying. There's inconsistency. That's there. what I'm
0: saying. But there's th- this this government mm-hmm. has had those inconsistencies, and they seem to be going forward with it as though it's a thing. And I don't understand why. I don't understand why they think that being. That saying one thing in public and then doing some—that was the whole. It, that was part of the issue with the um, with the election too. Do we know if that they've
1: done a post mortem on the election? And what do you mean? As a so. I think it's a smart idea. Most parties after an election do a postmortem. I don't know. I would really be curious to see what their postmortem on the election has been. I doubt they make it public though. uh, Some people make it public, some people don't. Like the Republican Party did a postmortem after losing to Obama and like restructure the whole party and. And look where they are now. Exactly. That meant nothing. But um, I would be really curious to like. I wish I could be a fly on the wall on those in those conversations around a postmortem for the Liberal Party for the election. Like, why do they think they're in the position they are in now, and mm. what what they feel they need to do to move the needle? Yeah, because that postmortem would have been such a good. Starting point. Starting point for this speech. Yeah. In terms of like, okay, we did this, 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 this. A lot of people perceive us as X, Y, Z, like two-faced, not consistent between what we say and what our policy is. Well, some people. Trans Mountain. Um, (laughs) And how do we flip the switch? So personally, I think, I think I'm pretty sure they have. They have to.
0: But I I feel- I wouldn't assume- I I I wouldn't assume it either. (laughs) You know what? Don't assume- the things that make sense are, are done, done. <laughs> okay
1: especially in politics and policy yeah cuz if they do a postmortem postmortem i'm sorry that's one of the big things they're going to be faced with is like there's a sense that they're inconsistent
0: they're hypocrites i will yeah. go as far as hypocrisy yeah. and that's what was that's what i
1: find this speech just underpinned it it just it feels like there's a disconnect. Complete. They feel disconnected, and I think they they are afraid to like choose a lane. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, choose a lane. And they're like afraid be to like, commit. They're afraid to commit. Yeah, and that's gonna cost them so much more. It's gonna later yep. on. Yeah, if there is a snap election in they haven't gotten like tight, tightened up their messaging and yeah. their policy pushes Bye, bitch. It's not going to work.
0: I, I do. I do see mm-hmm. that they, so this is also a time when they should be bold because the conservatives, the opposition parties are in such disarray. Yeah. The conservatives like shot themselves in the foot, in the knee, in the head. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know what they're doing. Um, well which which is something they built for themselves so for them to kind of whine about it later is just a little bit too rich for me um so i i think that this is exactly when they should be bold they have the latitude this is an area we might be going into a recession yeah like this is the time this is the time to be bold bold
1: and people to responsible yes that's yes the they'll
0: respect it yeah they will respect it even if they don't and this is what kills me is that we talk like i was just talking i had brunch earlier and was talking about risk and how people will tell me you're so brave which really means you're taking the risk that i can't take or won't take mm-hmm. or didn't take right and we'll see how it works out for you that's basically what it yeah. means um, right but for this particular instance I was talking about, that's not what it meant. Mm-hmm. It actually meant, thank you for being brave. Mm-hmm. Thank you for risking personal backlash yeah. and professional backlash for putting this out there, right? Yeah. So I just think that the assessment of risk, mm-hmm. how people assess risk, how politicians assess risk, is really, really, I don't think it holds. I, I, don't, I can't think of the the um adverb right now but yeah i um i don't think that their assessment of risk is accurate i think that and i think that's the canadian way i really do it's very canadian to be like something is riskier than it actually is because risk needs to be mitigated because comfort needs to be maximized
1: but the thing is I think if even if we look at the past election, whether elections like a couple of cycles of elections um whether it's at the federal level, provincial level or municipal level, the people who have been the boldest have like that translates people get behind them, I know,
0: and like but there's also conventional wisdom from like from like advisors and
1: shit and and that's gatekeepers. The, thing, is the gatekeepers? Who is surrounding you and who are your gatekeepers? Ah! Ding, ding, ding. Like that's, and okay. I think that's that's where
0: a post
1: postmortem would be really important.
0: So I've seen some post from people in the black community mm-hmm. who are in this kind of work. Um, I wrote one personally, particularly about black people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I stand by that motherfucker, by the way. I'm really Always. proud of that piece. I really am. Um, some and I got backlash for it. You did? I'm oh yeah, girl. I got backlash from from. Let's just say, one of the responses was, um, "You are putting that out to a mostly white audience, and you're just tap dancing too for whiteness." And I'm like, "No, I'm telling the truth." And he's <sighs> like, "Yeah." Respectability. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was just about to say it was just so respectability politics. And I was just like this is exactly why we're in the situation we're in where when we get nothing, we anoint gatekeepers, Mm -hmm. okay, who only want to line their pockets and you don't want anybody to talk about it outside of black audiences. That's what keeps people silent and that's what keeps people without any power. And all I'm talking about is what many in the black community have already said. I'm just putting it in a piece.
1: Yeah, like there's some shit that I don't talk to, to about like there's some shit that happens in the black community that i don't talk to with other folks like true there's some things that sure it's it's our shit yeah but like a thing like this doing a postmortem and analyzing how we exist in political circles yeah that's not an interior. That's not an internal conversation. Agreed. That's a bigger, conversation. But we've wider kept it on
0: internal. We've kept it disjointed. And all it's done is to calcify who is quote unquote leadership, which is yeah. all men, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's a lot of men. Men who are above the age of 50 mm-hmm. who don't know how to work fucking email.
1: <laughs> and the other thing for me, too, is... It's like, why are lot you replying
0: time- all... I hate that you know girl. what i mean like those people um, oh my gosh we don't
1: have enough black queer leadership that is my point no, that's true uh i will not argue with that the other thing too though is um we have this tendency to just oh, what was i gonna say gatekeepers gatekeepers black community black community some in some oh internal, yes yeah. i know what i'm gonna say um we have this tendency when we talk about politics that it has to be through parties yes. and that political engagement has, o- there's only one way to do it properly. Yeah. And that frustrates me to the nth degree it, because sister. it's, it's a assuming that everyone who is engaged politically is a citizen mm. and has, and has not been disenfranchised in one way, shape or form. Mm. B, um, assumes that everyone has the same level of access, and mm-hmm. it's not. We just talked about gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. Getting involved in political parties, you need to know and understand those codes, and if you don't, you're not going anywhere. You're going to stay making those volunteer calls for 350 fucking years, asking people to donate to a party that you don't necessarily have values that align with.
0: This is why I don't understand how people cape for parties.
1: and But it's also people... I think it goes back to what we said is like the lack of imagination of like a wider and and, uh, the lack of like imagination in terms of like the possibilities that could be and alternatives like we don't have to exist in a system like this one we can ask and demand for our system to change it might take time, but we also have urgency. Like, when we're talking about climate change, like, uh uh-huh, I don't have time to be lobbying people for three fucking years. This shit needs to change now. People need to take actual reasonable action. Reasonable is the wo- wrong word, but like, tangible, important decisions need to be made. And you need to be listening to people who are not necessarily. I see a
0: lot of talk of climate change in this speech. And I'm just like, but.
1: But again, like, <laughs> are you going to commit to like. What are you committing to? Actual I'm not even
0: talking. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even going to use the popular refrain, which is "You bought a pipeline." Okay, it's done, dusted, whatever. Yeah, okay, well, so you still n- a yeah, I
1: <laughs> like.
0: I'm not saying it has no value.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, you still y'all Canadians own a pipeline. <laughs> Yo,
0: we all own this bitch, okay? <laughs>
1: and as someone who pays and, taxes and okay, don't get a vote, excuse me, <laughs> I also own a fucking faced Okay. But it's one of those things like it's I'm just it's, like this. <laughs> tap, the tap the head. Uh um it's just extremely frustrating that political engagement and political involvement has been like drawn down to engagement party politics. Yes, it's one of the most effective ways. Well, actually, I don't think it's that effective. It's no longer it's effective. Talked about as it's not. But the party
0: structure is not built for diversity.
1: No, it's not built for diversity. It's not built to like a lot of. Well, by the way, know, let me
0: let me control F to see if diversity was mentioned. <laughs>
1: Uh, I don't think so. They, I think they, div- they, there's a list of diverse populations that they hope to serve, but I don't think diversity. The word was used.
0: Nope, it was not used. I but just I did a control d- F. I'm thankful too. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't. That was bullshit. We all know it. Because like, ah, the SNC scandal showed us how far his diversity went, and that oh, but
1: diversity is based on trust, which I was just like, what the fuck is that? Anyway, I'm so this is what I'm going to be looking for in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to be looking for those mandate letters. Those are going to tell me a lot about what actual policy points they are going to be pushing and what priorities are going to be. I'm going to be looking at who's being hired in terms of chief of staffs. I want to know who is surrounding and what these people's backgrounds are.
0: Apparently, yeah, the first black woman chief of staff or a cabinet minister. I think it's cabinet minister was hired it's 2019 yo okay so these are the gatekeepers so when we talk about gatekeepers this is my point Mm -hmm. these are the people who um, they are the ones who curate information yeah they're the ones who choose who gets access and that is the point if they're all white you're not getting access Unless you parrot white values or white views or a white or a white point of view or center white people. Mm-hmm. And it's that centering of white people. Mm-hmm. Part of it is the gatekeepers. Yeah. And so when your gatekeepers are all white, that's what you get. So one of the things I've been very critical about this government about is, number one, they don't need a mandate or legislation to, ch- to choose the gatekeepers. They don't need legislation or a mandate to make GIC appointments. And GIC appointments are very, very important because a lot of the decisions, the major decisions, are made by administrative tribunals in this country.
1: Okay, you're talking in acronyms. What is GIC appointments? Oh, sorry.
0: Governors or governor and council. Okay. So, I know. I. Sorry. It's
1: okay. I'll. I'll
0: I will. Thank ask you to for reminding that.
1: me. I. I have. Living in Ottawa, I have a big pet peeve for people who talk not. No, you are totally. I, totally I will always ask. You um, are totally right. But it's also just like democratizing information.
0: Woo. You know, you're right. You are completely right. And I will. Okay. So. <coughs> governor and council GIC appointments are those made by the governor and council governor general acting on the advice of cabinet. Mm-hmm. So an order in council. So an oh, yeah, an order in council is a legal instrument, which when signed by the governor general formalizes the appointment. Okay. Okay. So basically, um, there is a senior personnel secretariat in the Privy Council office, this is why there's a lot of acronyms, that supports GIC appointments process for some of the 2,000 GIC positions on behalf of PMO. Okay. So in other words, there's there's a team in Privy Council office, probably all white, that that is part of um, sussing out who should come through come yeah. forward mm-hmm. who are the candidates mm-hmm. for gen- for governors and council appointments yeah governor and council appointments and those are your gatekeepers right mm-hmm. so and i can i can bet they're all white and
1: good question this is
0: this oh, well mostly white anyway mostly white mm. should basically be all white um because somebody's going to come in and say, there's one Asian. I'm like, yeah, out of 200 people, doesn't matter. Uh, Anyway, Mm -hmm. so the point being that these are ways individuals appointed by the GIC play an important role in Canada's democracy by serving on commissions, boards, crown corporations, agencies, and tribunals across the country. Mm, okay. Okay? So, for example, they make um adjudicated decisions and provide advice and recommendations on the management of large corporations, for example. Think about the immigration and refugee board.
1: Oh, IRB. They make
0: the decisions on who goes and who stays, pretty much. Right? Imagine if that was filled with people of color from immigrant backgrounds.
1: Ooh. What a difference. Okay.
0: <laughs> no. And that that is the start that. If we really want to see change, those are the things you look at, the, the, the areas in which they can make the change without any sort of big media um, um, intervention Roll out, yeah. or rollout or anything like that, but they can do it quietly. They haven't done that.
1: Yeah. So for me, like those are the things I'm looking out for. Mandate letters, who's going to be appointed as chief of staff, but also not just who, what are their backgrounds? And how those pairings are being made. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times we just look at the minister and we're like, okay, no, no, no. Yeah. A lot that's of the why, people yeah. who are behind them, who's advising them on policy? Yeah. What is their relationship to the different communities that they're serving and stuff like that? So for me, that's going to be the important stuff. And it's, uh, we don't have that information yet. Nope. Um, I'm going to be uh, looking forward to seeing that information and seeing how that rolls out and who's paired with who and how that plays out because I think often we think about just like the one visible person, but a lot of the work happens behind the scenes.
0: Well, that's why I brought up all of this. This is why I went through a whole,
1: uh, you
0: know, GIC thing, ad nauseum. Yeah. Those are the invisible positions that have a lot of sway. Mm -hmm. Think about what culture, what, what, what TV broadcasting would look like if the CRTC, for example, Mm -hmm. had a more diverse board. From diverse backgrounds. I'm not talking about people with different, you know, uh, people of color with the same backgrounds as white people either.
1: That's the thing. So it's like,
0: I think that's what you were alluding yeah, to that's what I'm alluding when you to talked like, about the backgrounds of who's there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like it's important to have people who have institutional knowledge like that. That's all there is. But you can't just have that. Yeah. Like if you're going to have a bold, changing, innovative um, system. You need to bring in people with different ideas, different understandings, and experiences because that's that makes it richer and paints a bold, bigger, bolder picture. But and like, y- you're not going to go anywhere if you're just if you're talking and working in silos. Cool, you're just going to be producing same more of the same, and we're just going it's going to continue the frustration and like misunderstanding within the system. Well, yeah, so that's why I'm very curious. I am like, I don't. I, I just don't know how this is gonna. For me, those are gonna be the important things, and like that's gonna show me a lot more and give me a m- more of an indication of where the next session is gonna. So start. what if
0: n- there's really not much change and it's the status quo?
1: I don't think a lot of the chief of staffs are coming back. Hmm. I think there's. But what if be they just fill them with people like? But that that tells us something. What does it tell us? It tells us that there hasn't been a change and that there isn't a change of pace. It's like. That there, that tells us what direction this session and this government is going in, and what their priorities are. It's not change. It's not being bold. It's not being different. It's it's just holding holding the fort down
0: yeah. until the next election. I think that, and that will be. I think that is exactly what this speech from the throne was. It's holding the fort down until the next election without doing anything new and bold, mm-hmm. even though this is the time when we need to be new. and bo- They did. They did. They did give a lot of space to climate change. Yeah, I will say that. So I expect that that I'm really looking at the Environment Canada's mm-hmm. mandate letter. Mm-hmm. Um, and natural resources together. Yeah. I think I don't think you can look at Environment Canada and natural resources separately anymore.
1: No, you have to look at them together. You need
0: to look at them together. There's a lot of cross pollinization mm-hmm. with these ministries. We need to be aware of that. Yeah. Too. So how they work together mm-hmm. is a very, very I'm just looking I just think we just need to look at politics, policy and government differently. Yeah. Because the the um their constraints are different well it's probably their constraints are similar but manifesting themselves in different weird and different ways, yes. and a really in some parts malignant ways yeah um i'm just happy that i used the word malignant um i like honestly my vocabulary has grown and i feel like oh so wow. so adult I feel like an I adults. Oh my god. Okay, and and then I just drop motherfucker and I feel like that makes everything okay.
1: It's okay. It's swearing is a sign of intelligence, I've been told. Apparently there's studies on this. Yeah. And I'm
0: like, I'm a genius. Hi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um but I I really do I really do think that going forward, so in the neck for this next session, that will be my commitment. My commitment is going to be looking at um uh, like a l- more outside of Ontario first of all mm-hmm. I'm going to Alberta in l- in about a week and a half it's gonna be really fucking interesting I already got a piece of what was going on there really? f- in summer and I was just like oh my gosh this is gonna be interesting I think that Knowing what's going on in the West is going to separate a lot of journalists. Let's put it that way. I feel like the conversation. Um, I just. I. I guess I just realized that Canada doesn't really know Canada. That a lot of people in Canada do not know. Like somebody, last the last time we spoke, I. Mm-hmm. In the last episode, I was yeah. talking about how B.C. is basically Vancouver. And the Okanagan Valley is liberal places, and um, somebody somebody messaged me and was like, "Actually, k- 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 Okanagan Valley? No, it's really? conservative too." So basically, Vancouver and Vancouver Islands are the and only Victoria, li- I think too. Yeah, on Vancouver, yeah, on Vancouver Island, mm-hmm. and so in between Vancouver and say Sault Ste. Marie or whatever, where Sarnia or wherever. You bait like there, that's the glut of Canada that a lot of people in government, in politics, etc., do not understand.
1: Yeah, for me, understanding Canada has been also understanding like the geographic challenges and differences, and it's a very big place. Canada is
0: huge. So, why wouldn't we have geographic, like regional differences? Of course,
1: even the tiniest place have geographical have differences. Have you ever been to the
0: north of England?
1: They hate the South. Oh, okay. Even like someone from like, and it's so much smaller than Canada. Of course, we have differences. And like, it's harder to manage those differences if we don't recognize. Like, it's hard to, s- like, Canada's not a monolith. It no. never has been and it never will be. No. And recognizing that and working that into policy and decision making is important. And it's not a revelation. I don't think it should be a revelation. No,
0: but 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 everybody acts like Canada is basically upper Canada and the rest of us are just pieces of it. And that's my problem. So this is my Westernness taking over <laughs> and I'm just like, now I'm going to rant, okay? What pissed me off about this cabinet is obviously the lack of black people, naturally. Um, but also how very upper Canada it is. And how most of the MPs come from Ontario or Quebec, and a specific places in Ontario and Quebec. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I feel that this is a more segregated um, cabinet. And when I say segregated, I mean segregated from the west, rest of Canada. And that's my issue. Like, I am concerned about this. That basically all cabinet is is a is an outpost for the Laurentian elite. And Question. those,
1: yes. Um, in Canadian history, and okay. this are we going to ask about the Laurentian? Elite? No, no, oh, okay. no, no. Y- yes, one that okay. I think you should explain that a little bit more. Two, um, I don't know if this has ever been done due in Canada because this is done in the rest of the world, especially when you have minority governments. Do Canadians do coalition governments? I don't know. Not really. Because that could have been a way to, like, bridge that gap in terms of, like, having... No,
0: the liberals are the natural ruling party, Barbara. I know, but you have to work with other people. Oh, but that's what they said in the speech, by the way. I know. There was a lot of that smattered around. We need to work with people. You need to work with people. But a good way to 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 do it would
1: have been to a point of, I don't know, for one of the cabinet position appointing someone from w- the west and right being like we are not in our party but we share values on this portfolio so you can i don't know that's how there i've seen it done in the rest of the world yeah but i think it's also just the system and the party system that we exist under does isn't working
0: well i no. know i think i think if you look at how the british yeah. deal with their party system yeah. It's it's it they have coalition governments. They all do. the fucking time. We're under the same. So it's Westminster. It's the way we do it here. It's how we interpret it's how party we politics interpret here. party politics. Then, so
1: so in then a very
0: colonialist way. Okay. okay. So here is this is what I told the children when I went to go talk to the children. Okay? okay. I said, listen, Canada is basically like high school. It's a it's one big high school, with a whole bunch of different clubs, mm-hmm. right? So you have you have the popular rich club that everybody wants to get into, which is the Laurentian elite, Mm -hmm. which is basically Canada's ruling class. And they come from they are the self-declared arbiters of Canadian society and politics.
1: Okay, how do you get into that? What are the like? I don't know. I, I, look, I don't so know. So how do we demarcate people who are outsiders from that and who are insiders from well, that? Well, it depends
0: on which clubs you belong to. Oh, okay. See? And it's where Access you went to school and stuff like right. that. Okay. Right. Cool, cool, cool. Queens, McGill, that kind of thing. Okay.
1: Um, not Western. Oh, no, okay. No. Why not? Because it's not elite. Don't they have that really big business school that like who Ivy? Who gives a shit? But so does U of T. Yeah, but Ivy apparently is like this. Okay, maybe. It's. I thought so. Ivy is and West at Western, people say I went to Ivy and like. Yeah. Are you say? Are you sure they're not saying an Ivy? No. <laughs> like an Ivy League? No, no Ivy and Western. They, like they the brag business school. about Western? Yeah. Oh, the business oh, school at Western is a very like well high regarded. I'm School sure. of Business, yeah, and the Spencer Leadership Center. Yeah,
0: but you know, I went to Queens, so we can't.
1: We can't. Oh, okay, so this we is your can, own shit. That we can't acknowledge. Okay. No, No. 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 But
0: Western is known as a party school. It is,
1: but their business school okay, is okay. Fair. Their, business, their school business school is like very well high regarded. Okay. And their uh, leadership school. I did not go to Western. I'm not caping for them. It's just state stating facts here.
0: So you know, the Laurentian elites are especially have angst over more so than I would. I believe, the rest of the country over Quebec separation, right? That's really their thing. Um, I know other people are concerned. Don't at me with, we like, okay, fine. So um, so that's pretty much it. It's a class thing.
1: Okay, so they're part of like the leadership elite? Yeah, like the, the, yeah, they're like,
0: they're like, they're like the, natural born leaders so to speak oh
1: oh i've heard of yes yes isn't like uh bill morneau is part of that club katie telford exactly so
0: we go back to the gatekeepers right and that's my problem Mm -hmm. is that is that with a laurentian elite can and or laurentian consensus type of cabinet
1: Mm -hmm. who do
0: you think the gatekeepers are going to be and what does that mean for the rest of Canada? That's my issue. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't like it. I think that this is just going to exacerbate the regional divisions. Yeah. Uh, I think their response to these regional divisions uh, has ranged from deer in headlights okay. to panic to um, to ignorance uh, to ignoring it and sticking their heads in the sand because they don't know what to do because they don't get it. Do you think we are giving
1: too much space to this?
0: Yes. Okay. I think in a way we're giving too much space. I think in part of it is a natural um, a cycle of Alberta too. Okay. We don't love the federal government.
1: I don't think anyone loves the federal government.
0: <laughs> Girl. Ontario's different, man. Really? Ontario thinks the government should be there to solve all their problems. I, I'm but just that's like not loving them. That's being... Fair. Okay,
1: dependent. dependent so there's
0: yeah. like a... I find that in Ontario, there's more of a paternalistic relationship with government. Mm-hmm. This idea of so old Europe. So you mean
1: like the Ontario, like f- provincial versus federal? I'm, su- I'm saying that that just seems
0: to be very Ontario and very Quebec. Do you idea mean, of the role of government okay
1: so but do you mean when they think of the federal government or yeah, the provincial government all government government
0: okay. in general even municipal does anybody think of municipal government i do because yeah I, you do <laughs> i do too <laughs> yeah but like in but in, in the zeitgeist in, in gen- yeah in the zeitgeist no i doubt it yeah. even though they should because yeah. that's yeah, like your most direct form of government. Mm, so yeah. you should act. Although people care a lot about municipal issues.
1: Yes. People care about municipal issues. Without yeah. understanding and knowing that they are municipal issues. Yes. And then go to talk to their MP about yes. it. Yes. Their MP doesn't, yes. isn't able to do anything yes. about it. Yes. Yes. That you is true. You know it. You
0: know it. Yeah. Divisions of. Okay. So that's about it for this special bonus pod of the speech from the throne. Um, I. you can find us online you guys know where to find us I know you guys know where to find us because you do find us but if you don't know it'll be on the show notes alright Barbara are you ready? yes bye <laughs> <laughs>